test. Test. Amen. Hallelujah. I didn't know my son was going to testify, so I got all. My disciple. But pioneering in Pinellas Park and just starting that church there, it was my son and I preaching in the corners. And God moved, amen. I remember Mike Major giving me a story that God stirred his heart, man. Because he was actually passing by from work on that main intersection. And my son and I would take advantage of getting there early after I got out of work so we can preach to the afternoon traffic, amen, and little do you know, amen, what you're doing when you're doing what we do, amen, and then you hear later that people are impacted. Pastor Stevens, uh, uh, Sister Renee, amen, for trusting us. Going into Bogota, man. I uh, also want to ta- uh, take time to thank uh, Richard about four weeks ago. And, amen. But they did a wonderful, a wonderful job there, amen. They have a core of believers. Uh, uh, there's people that want to serve God. They've made incredible decisions. And I'm, I might get into that a little bit right now. And so I want to thank God, amen, for the El Paso congregation, for, amen, just your support and your friendship and, and supporting everything that we do, amen. This is a powerful thing that we're a part of, amen. So if you have your Bibles, amen, I want to preach out of Matthew chapter 9. And I was actually inspired by that visitation in August. At Richard's church, and uh, you know, they get up, I mean, everything's there. It's a three-story building. It's, a, it's not a huge, sounds like a big building, but it's a three-story building anyways. daycare, visitor's room. Then the, the top third floor is, is their, their sleeping quarters and a little kitchenette. It's not a big three-story, amen? And so in the mornings, I could hear them uh, uh, getting up 
open up the doors in the morning for prayer. And I could hear uh, a BJ and, and Richard down there uh, getting the coffee started. And, and so I get up, uh, get dressed really quick, get down there before uh, anybody's there. And uh, what began to blow me away, man, is the climate. Not just the weather. I go and I get my theme. Thousands, I ain't kidding you, thousands upon thousands of people on foot and bikes. And I'm like, I've never seen this. I couldn't wait to get to that window. Thousands upon thousands of people. People are so desperate. Half of the church walked in just by seeing the, the sign, church. Desperate. Never seen that before. Incredible city, amen, with incredible needs, amen. Some of you news junkies, amen, you guys know that Venezuela's right next door, and they're going through a huge crisis. And I saw that firsthand. It blew me away. Nervous Street, uh, panhandling, and uh, wearing the clothes on their back, that's it. A couple of uh, uh, changes for their kids because some of them have with them, uh, and uh, they they walk three weeks to get to Bogota. They have no money for the bus, and you can look in the in the crowds and you can distinguish these people in need. Witness to a couple of them; they are open for the gospel. Millions of people, 10 to 11 million people in Bogota alone, not all Colombia. Last year, because of the incident in Venezuela, they've had 1.92% growth in population in one year. And guess what? We only have two churches there. Eleven, ten million people, and we only have two churches there. I think we got one. As we get there, they're going to send another couple. They're actually from El Paso. But they're getting sent out of Phoenix. They got saved in Phoenix. Three churches for eleven million, man. That's nothing. We've barely begun to scratch the surface there.
And as I look out that window, amen, I remember the words of Jesus when he said, the harvest is plentiful. And... Back to my mind, amen. That was so true for me in that moment. The harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. My intention with this sermon, amen, is that some would, some would be stirred to go. You guys don't even know half the story. Being in Florida, amen. Sean Gunkel, some of you might know, I know Pastor knows him. He's a white dude. Pioneered the church of Buenos Aires. He's a white English-speaking guy. Cashed it all in. Did my last revival there in Tampa, and you know, we're fellowshipping at a restaurant, and he begins to tell me his testimony, how God, I didn't know it was Puerto Rican, I didn't know it was from Central America, but he goes, I know it was his, and in conference he went and he told his pastor, Pastor Dave Suspense, tells him about what God has done in his heart. And Pastor Suspensky sends him to Buenos Aires on that conference. And as he's telling me this, we're sitting at a restaurant. You know, God, I'm like, wow, that's cool. That's interesting. Why do you know? Buenos Aires. Blue eyes, everything. God's telling me, Herman, you. Me, Satan. It's God. Clear as day, man. And then trip out on this. I come to conference. So six months. Pastor Stevens calls me in the office. Wants to know what's going on. Maybe new ministry. He tells me that the Spanish pastor is on his way out to pioneer. 
And as he's saying these words again, you know that quiet voice. It's not a voice, it's just a, like, like somebody speaking to you, but you don't hear that noise. And that story came back. And it wasn't hard for me. If you want to bring me back, take over the Spanish service, let's do it. I knew it was God. That's why I hope that, you know, by the end of the sermon, it's a really short You're encouraged to, to go and to step it up. Because the time is short. They're going to give you a Bible study in the end times. The time is very short. You can't. I really want to go. I want to do it. I want to go. But you never pull the trigger. Am I right? Oh, but I can't go. But I can do something. Maybe you've gone. And you can go again then. You can go again, man. You know, in 2005, I went to a conference in Prescott. And my wife and I were completely inspired to do something for God out of that conference. We went and we fat people like me up there. There were skinny, tall, old people. You couldn't make up an excuse to do something for God. And we found in hours from Prescott, my wife and I inspired to do something for God. The harvest is plenty. That's where I got my title, amen. The harvest is still plentiful. Out of Matthew 9.35. Bible says this in Matthew 9.35. Then Jesus went about all the cities and... among the people but when he saw the multitudes uh, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and with no shepherd uh, then he said to his disciples the harvest is truly plentiful but the laborers are few therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest man Today's Christianity, 
you know, writing this sermon, today's Christianity, and I was going to begin to cap on all the false prophets and all that stuff, right? But then God dealt with me and I said, why even go there? I want to tell you that our Christianity, the fellowship's Christianity, is very different from what the world has. We're privileged Christians. And so you also find out uh, what kind of Christianity is out there. They're not into our Christianity. They're not into making disciples. They're not into the supernatural, the Holy Spirit, uh, where you can catch uh, a man a message from God. They're not into planting churches like us. And as I mentioned, I could critique. That wouldn't get us anywhere, right? God sent His only Son, amen, blueprint for us to follow in the church. A fellowship follows that. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus begins his ministry. The blueprint as he gives out instructions to uh, his surroundings, amen, his disciples. Uh, first disciple, in Matthew four nineteen. Bible says, then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. The Amplified says, and he said to them, follow me as my disciples, accepting me as your master and teacher, and walking the same path of life that I walk. And I will make you fishers of men. His intention was to teach these young men the gospel, amen, and a process where, you know what, they can begin to do something in the kingdom of God. Uh, he invested into men to make godly men. Uh, he invested into these uh, young men, a man to make men. Uh, and you know, and that's what we find in our fellowship. Pastor Mitchell, and it doesn't go away. Pastor just mentioned it, mentioned it up here in the pulpit. Mitchell has done its disciples, amen, a bunch of hippies, uh, raw material, amen. But the gospel is able to do that. The gospel is able to come in. 
materials. I don't care if you're a rocker, a cholo, whatever you are. The gospel can come in, amen, and can make a disciple out of a man. Pastor Stevens has serious men. Has ministry, all kinds of ministry was meant. And that only means, amen, that there's opportunity for those, amen, that are willing uh, to step up and say, you know what, I want to be a disciple. I want to be a disciple's wife. A wife, yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to marry two. So Jesus calls these two brothers. To us. Why would He do that? Why would He call us to this place? Because there's an opportunity to partake. And this powerful gospel that we got. You can partake of what God wants to do here in these last days. And we, we've got limited time. Just look at the news. Turn on your radio. Think up. You know what I want to tell you is that we're glad when you join in. We're glad when you get into ministry. Man, being a part of the Spanish ministry, man, it was a joy. A new disciple. The opportunity best. Let me ask you something. You ten, fifteen years. Are you investing in people? When was the last time you invested? All right, yeah, we love it that you give, but you know what, people. I'm gonna get to that in a minute. When was the last time you invested of your time and effort? When was the last time you were involved to see someone established in the kingdom of God? That's our goal. As a believer, our goal is to follow those instructions I've done it myself. I kicked back, man. I remember before being sent, I, I actually chilled out for almost five years. came and listened to sermons. Camping maybe or fishing and, uh, you know, having a lot of good days, uh, but never investing in the... I, five years I sat there till God 
dealt with me. But here we are, amen. Got a few minutes till midnight. It says according to the atomic clock, Jesus is about to come back, amen. And we have real true believers, amen. You know what? It gives you chills down your spine thinking about that. And yet we're not a part of what God wants us to do. I'm trying to inspire you. That's the goal. That's pastor's goal, Pastor Mitchell's goal. A man of God that we can send. Not easy, man. It was my son's testifying. I began to just process all my family, a bunch of my family saved. I had to give that up for five years, ten years, I don't know. That's what it takes to save others. This is our Christianity. We're very different from the rest of the world. Our text says in Matthew 9.35, Then Jesus went about the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. The pattern. Jesus is going through villages. church that does the will of God. And I don't want to pop. But gosh, man, we're... Joseph, last night we were at a restaurant. I told Joseph, Joseph, man, if I don't see you, man, I'll see you in heaven. I believe that. But you know what? I want to be doing the will of God. And that's my question to you. Are you going to be doing the will of God? The blueprint to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. Jesus preaching everywhere. You know, nowadays, I, I look at that. Preachers. And I look at the rest, see how they look at the preacher. Instead of joining in, they preaching. Amanda, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, the salvation of God. It says in Matthew 11, 
The past when Jesus finished commanding His twelve disciples that He departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. Healing the sick. So Jesus preaches and His disciples begin to do the same thing. You know, Raymond Comfort talks about the street preacher, the guy from the way, the master for some of you. He's a street preacher. And he, I don't remember all the numbers, but he tells you that he can, the street preacher can actually reach hundreds more than the church can when he preaches the gospel. In 89, uh, I was at my buddy's house. I was waiting uh, for a friend to come out. We were going to go to the club. Two crazy guys. And I still, I still tell So I'm on, on Louisville, right by Austin High School. There's nothing happening there. It's a neighborhood. It's not a busy intersection. And two dudes... Uh, uh, show up in the pickup and they get out and they start preaching the gospel and I'm like drinking my beer and like what do I do now? But I'll tell you what, I was telling Manny this morning, if I didn't hear the gospel that day, who knows what would have happened to me. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, from that day forward, God began to deal with me. I begin to have encounters with God. I begin to talk to God. I, I, I don't know what I was talking to because I didn't know God. I was like, stop. Me for all this. But you know what started it? It was a street preacher. I don't know, a couple of conference back, Pastor Ruby, the street preacher. It says that street preachers become great preachers. For you disciples, you're wondering, you, you've never gone to street preaching. You've never stepped it up just a little bit more. Try it on your own. That's a blast. All the butterflies and everything comes out. I'll tell you what, I bet you Pastor Stevens encourages that. I remember when we used to go downtown, he would hear the news about that. It was a crazy scene, man. Preaching in downtown in the clubs, the bars. People responding to the gospel, man. It was a powerful thing. Street preaching can start a revival. Get up.
Listen to what the Gill's commentary says about Matthew 11.1 1, that I just read. When Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, when he had given them a commission to preach the gospel, had finished all his instructions, he thought, he thought fit to give them an order and an orders he enjoined them relating to the to that work they should go what they should say how they should behave and what treat with and had given them all the proper advice and encouragement you know after i read that i i begin to see jesus the pastor And I'm not saying everybody, but there's disciples in this place that God wants to get a hold of. Gives you instructions for what? To, to propagate this gospel. His plan is that disciples would come out and become so radical that we would turn, amen, our city, El Paso, upside down for Jesus. I'm still down for that. Clearly making disciples. In a structure that we hear in our fellowship all the time. I'm almost done. Let me tell you a little bit more about what I saw in this text. I, I begin to... And this can happen to any disciple. This can happen to any person in this place that gets involved in ministry. The more you're involved, the more you invest, you're going to begin to see the heart of Jesus in yourself. You're going to begin to have a, a desire. You're going to want to impact uh, others. You're going to be anxious to, you know what, see what's next, what God is going to do next. You're going to want to save others at your Walmart school neighborhood. As Jesus was preaching and teaching, praying for the sick, read chapter 9, amen, if you have a We see what happens internally. Finds compassion in those texts. Listen to verses 35, the second part of 35, and the first part of verse 36. It says, Then Jesus 
in their synagogue in their synagogues the kingdom and healing and every disease among the people as he served the people but when he saw the multitudes the people he was moved with compassion for them the people You know, if you're struggling with your Christianity and, you know, you're having a hard time, actually you're talking bad about Christianity by now. Try serving the people. This is why ministry is so important, amen. The Bible says that Jesus found compassion. Compassion is a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for for another who is stricken by in ministering and praying for people believing for miracles witness defending the gospel He was moved. He was moved even further. He was already busy. But he was moved even further. Verse 6 says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. The great numbers. That's multitudes. That's people. God's going to move in you, amen, as you serve the multitudes. This is where I begin to see the compassion of Jesus. You know, when I was in Bogota, street, it's crazy. I don't think you guys know this, but Venezuela was wealthy at one And the Colombians would serve the Venezuelans. And everything has shifted. Now they have to serve the Colombians. And the Colombians let them know, now you're my servant. Imagine what they're going through. And I believe I felt a little bit of that compassion that Jesus is feeling for the multitudes. The harvest needs more workers about to finish. I didn't think I was going to take this long. Since Jesus only had 12 men. But he realized that he needed more. But the labors are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. 
the need was before him. But he, he, he's only praying for those that are immediately there. And, and he probably told the rest of his disciples, go and pray for these people, help me. Conversation at the end, he's telling them, you know what, there's just too many. We need more men. We need more people. If we're going to put a dent on this thing, we're going to need some people to rise up. The harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. It says Barnes. Barnes note says, by the reference to the harvest here, he meant that the multitudes of people that flocked to his ministry was great. The people expected the Messiah. They were prepared. The laborers are few. And we need you to come out of your trend, amen, your, your stuck situation. I, I, I honestly do think God is trying to get a hold of somebody in this place. I wrote this sermon uh, 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 a week ago, and then half of it I wrote it this morning. I really do believe God uh, has something for you, but he, He's going to need you to step it up, because uh, the labors are still few. Bogota is waiting for some of you. 10 to 11 million are waiting for whoever is ready, amen, to rise and to do the will of God to propagate the gospel. The souls are ready. But we need the word. Every eye closed, amen. Listen, just put your situation where Jesus was looking at multitudes. Bible mentions in different areas that sometimes a thousand, fifteen hundred people, three thousand folks got saved in Acts. Multitudes. But the workers are few. Perhaps you're in this place, hey man. Before I go any further... Somebody invited you in, amen, and we want to take time uh, to pray with you or for you. Difficult times, uh, divorce, uh, health reasons, uh, financial 
relation, reasons. I'm here to tell you, amen, that Jesus can touch your life. And you can leave this place completely transformed. That's what the gospel does. You can leave this place completely transformed with hope, with joy. You can be helped. Jesus can help you. And most importantly, Warm and full of blood. If you get this, all you have to do is raise your hand and say, Pastor, I want. Christian church 
And people are so desperate that they walk into the church. Nobody witnessed to them. They just said, there's a church. There's hope for me. The harvest is ready. But we need the church to answer. God's drawing attention to this in your life. He's letting you know that the harvest is still plentiful. And that He still needs you to be a worker. Now I want to open these altars. Amen. I want you to come up and, and let's talk to God. Amen. Let's believe God. Amen. Because God has something for us yet. He saved us for purpose. The harvest is still plentiful. Guy, when it comes to prayer, but 
I want to lead you into a prayer of evangelism, amen, and God, amen, for uh, after this service, people will be stirred to rise up, amen, not just to be in ministry, but contend to be a disciple and to go and get sent out. Be obedient to God. Amen. Man, hallelujah. How many of you want to serve God? Man, hallelujah. I want you to lift up your hands. We're going to pray real quick. Repeat this prayer. Say, Father, I heard your voice. I realize the harvest is still plentiful, ready for me to step in to the harvest. Touch my life. Fill me with the Holy Ghost. Boldness to save. And I... Hallelujah, praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, you raised disciples, O Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. you guys to pray for us in Bogota, amen. Pray for us, amen, um, that God would give us uh, disciples, amen, that we could plant the church, start some fire down there, amen. Not by me, but by God, amen. So it takes all of us getting into this and stepping it up, and I'm praying, amen, that I hope that Amen. 
follow God. Amen. Thank you.